Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Baptist Church. It's good to see everyone this morning. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Shane Bingham, and I am the student pastor here at First Baptist Church, Barberville. And Pastor Tyler asked me earlier this week if I would uh, if I would preach this morning, and it was a it was a welcome sight. It really was. So before my role as student pastor here at FBC Barberville, I was a lead pastor in London, Kentucky at Sinking Creek Baptist, and Lord uh, undeniably called me here to be a student pastor, but there's sometimes the Lord will put something on your heart, and he'll put things in your way, and he'll, uh, he'll put things in front of you that, that he wants you to do and that he wants you to, to deliver as a pastor, and I hadn't even spoke to Pastor Tyler about this or about doing this. Uh, that just shows you how God works. God had already spoke to him and asked him if he, if he would uh, pass the message along. And thank God that he did. I have, a, uh, I have a wonderful message this morning that the Lord has provided us. Um, and it's one that was given to me months ago. Months ago. Can you believe that God works in that way? That he prepares us for things for, for that we can't even see. For things that are on the horizon that we can't even imagine. God prepares us. And God gives us things. And I'll share a little bit about that with with you all this morning. But if you will, at this time, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. So I'll ask this. I like to do this when I preach. I'll ask if you're able to, if you're able to stand with me this morning, stand with me in reverence of God's Word. If you can't stand this morning, that is perfectly fine. There is there's nothing wrong with that. But I'll ask if you'll stand as we read God's Word. Again, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. And the title of the message this morning is, When the Manna Stops. When the manna stops, when all those blessings stop coming in, where do we go? What do we do? And a lot of us, who do we blame? Where do we point the finger? But we're in Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. And God's holy word says this, The Lord then said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they kept the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. The day after Passover, they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan, that year. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that you have given us to gather in your church, God, to read your word and to be with your people. God, I just ask that you pierce our hearts today, God, that you speak clearly to us, and God, that you use me in some way, God, that I can, I can verbalize your word, that I can send your message to your people that you have delivered today. And again, God, I am so thankful, so thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ, so thankful for Pastor Tyler and his work here in our church, in our community. God, I am just so thankful to be called a child of God. Again, Lord, we thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
Can y'all believe March is almost over? Like we are getting to the end of March. It seems like January 1st was just there. And now we're already toward the end of March. And for me, what that signifies is I'm, I'm a big sports fan. I love sports. But my favorite sport, and probably a lot of you as well, uh, have, have a similar feeling, but my favorite sport is basketball. And I've always been a huge basketball fan, and that being here in Kentucky, I'm a huge Kentucky Wildcat fan. Now, I know a lot of us have mixed feelings right now in this time of year, but the good news is we're playing today. We're still playing. It's March Madness. Yeah, you can clap. Miles, Miles Moses is clapping. He's ready for that. Him and Ephraim are down here really excited but I'm a huge Kentucky Wildcat fan. I have been my entire life, from the time I was a little bitty boy all the way up until now. I've been with them through the good times and the bad times. But I am a true blue fan, and I love March. Uh, traditionally, March is a, a big time of celebration for us University of Wild, Kentucky Wildcat fans. We, we Traditionally, we, we do well. We, we always advance in the tournament, and I just can't wait for March to get here. Um, this year is no different. As this year started out, we've had our rocky spots. We went, we've been up and down. But January came around, and Hayden, for her birthday, or for Christmas, for Christmas, we got her some tickets to go to UK's uh, UK basketball game. It was University of Kentucky versus South Carolina. I ordered these tickets specifically because I thought that it was going to be an easy win. Nobody wants to go and watch them lose, and I thought this was going to be an easy win. Nothing against our South Carolina natives down here, but we thought it was going to be an easy win, and we go and we go to the ball game, and lo and behold, it was not an easy win. It wasn't even a win. And we're sitting there, and we're watching this game, and as the game kind of draws out, I'm looking over at Hayden, and she's just super excited. She's just super excited to be there. If you've ever been to Rupp Arena, and you've been a part of that crowd and that atmosphere, it's just amazing. It doesn't really matter what kind of team we have. The atmosphere is amazing. The crowd's amazing, and we're lower level, so we, we got lucky, and Man, we're just enjoying the game, but it's a close game. And the game keeps getting closer and closer as time starts to run out in the second half. And I look at Hayden, and I said, uh-oh, this, this isn't good. This is not going to be good. And about five minutes left, I think Kentucky was down about five points. South Carolina comes down and hits a big three-pointer, puts them up by eight. You could just hear the gasp in the crowd, just, <sighs> And as I hear that gasp, I start to see people get up. And people start to get up and they start to leave. And before I know it, then almost the entire, the entire place was empty. There's only a few fans left. But I looked at Hayden and I was like, look, we drove two hours. We sat and waited in line. We're watching this thing out. And Kentucky did. They, they made a fight out of it. They battled back. But ultimately, they lost. But I remember sitting there as I'm watching just droves of people stand up and I'm watching them leave. I'm sitting there and can you believe that God will talk to you in moments like that? In a moment of, of 20,000 people surrounding you and, and the crowd cheering and booing at times, God will speak to you. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching all these people stand up and I'm watching them leave. And God kind of told me, he's like, you need to write this down. I'm like, what do I need to write down? I don't even have nothing to write with. How am I going to write something down? But I remember him speaking to my heart and telling me when the crowd leaves. When the crowd leaves, and I just got on my phone and I made a memo of it, and I said, I don't know what you mean by this, Lord. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but evidently it's important enough that you think I need to keep it. So I put that in my phone, and when the crowd leaves, 
And this week, Pastor Tyler came to me and said, asked me if I, if I would like to preach today. And we looked at the scripture, and it was when the manna stops. And immediately that hit me. Lord, you already gave me this message. You already sent this to me. I've got it in my phone. You already, you already purposed it up on my heart. When the manna stops, when the crowd leaves. Growing up as a boy, not only was I a, a true blue basketball fan, my dad was a classic rock guy. He loved classic rock. He loved Journey and CCR, and he loved all these, these old-time bands, this classic rock and roll. He really instilled that in me and my brother. And one of my favorite things to do was maybe on a Saturday or Sunday when he wasn't working, we would drive around Stinking Creek, we'd go on the back roads, and we'd roll the windows down on a nice spring day, and we would just listen to music. And we would just listen to the lyrics of this music. And one that always caught my attention was by the American artist Don McLean. Y'all familiar with Don McLean? He sung American Pie. Bye-bye. I won't get up here and sing it for you. <laughs> but he sung American Pie, and there's one lyric inside of that song that, that really stands out. And he says, when the music died. When the music died. And that also kind of hit me hard, especially this week as I, as I was praying about this and reading and studying about this. This song came to me, and this lyric came to me, when the music died. So I've done a little research. Why did Don write that? Why did he write about the music dying? So a lot of it was Don McLean was in a time of transition. He was in a time of transition. Music was changing. What Donna grew up on, the, the Bob Dylans and such, it was changing. Music was moving toward, more toward a disco-type era. And Don was writing about when this change was happening, and he called it when the music died. I look back on these things. I know it seems simple, a ball game and music, but I look back on these things, and they have such an impact on my life. And after every ball game... There's an ending. And regardless if we win or lose, the crowd gets up and leaves. And after every song, after about three and a half, four minutes, the song comes to an end. You see, there's a beginning and an end to everything. But there's a blessing inside of that. There's a blessing inside of this beginning and end. And there's a promise. And that's really what we're going to discuss this morning is the difference between a blessing and a promise because there's an absolute difference between the two. There's a difference between a blessing and a promise. When I look at a blessing and I see this ball game that I got to take my daughter to, even though they lost, even though the crowd got up and left, it was a blessing that I got to sit beside my little girl. And I got to see that smile on her face. And even though we lost the game, she got her ice cream and she was happy as could be. And I think about this music, and even though Don said that the, the day the music died, I think about this blessing that God has given me, that I got to ride around with my dad on the back roads of Stinking Creek, and we got to listen to this music. We got to have this time together, these memories that will never leave, that are always engraved inside of my mind. So these are blessings. These are things that God gives me, but he never promised. God never promised I was going to go to a UK ball game. God never promised Don McLean was going to write a song that affected me in this way. God didn't even promise that we were going to take this trip on the old road. These are blessings that God gave me. But his promises are bigger. 
And as we look at our, at our scripture this morning, we see the seizing of the manna, it marked the beginning of a new era. This was a new era for God's people. It was a promise that was going to be fulfilled. And again, with every ending comes a new beginning. Joshua had taken over the reins. Moses had passed the leadership along to Joshua. And they'd been wandering in the desert for 40 years. 40 years complaining and groaning and just wandering aimlessly. And then they started to change. They started to do things that they normally hadn't done. They started to be obedient to God. They started to be obedient in God and they seen a transformation in their selves. They seen a transformation in their people. And God said, it is time. No longer am I going to give you this blessing of manna that you are so used to and you've even been complaining about this blessing of manna. But it's time to fulfill the promise. It's time to fulfill that promise. For the Israelite people, the manna God had provided them for the last 40 years, it was a blessing. But like many blessings, it had served its purpose and its time was over. What we see immediately after is God's promise fulfilled. Canaan awaited. God had something greater. He had something greater than bread coming from the sky. He had something greater for his people. He had something that they had never seen or witnessed before. But it's still hard to let go of that blessing. Still hard to let go of it. So the difference between a promise and a blessing. That's what we're going to examine this morning. First, a promise. The purpose of God's promise. God's promise is different. It has a purpose. And we see in our scripture to deliver his people from the bondage of their sin in verse 9. Gilgal actually means, it's actually interpreted to roll away. It was a new day. They were placed in Egypt because of their disobedience, because of their sin, because of all all the ways they had turned from God. They'd found themselves enslaved in Egypt. In bondage, in death, in turmoil. They wandered the desert because of their disobedience. Yet God provided a provision, a blessing through manna to deliver them to their promise. A promise that He didn't just make to them, a promise that He had made to Abraham generations before. See, God's promise doesn't always come like we think it's going to be. Or what we think it's going to look like. God's promise a lot of times isn't even what we expect. And sometimes we think it's not what we even need. You see, God's promise is greater than any blessing. It's greater than any purpose. It's greater than anything that we can ever imagine. God's promise exceeds it all. Because He is God. And He is as far from the east to the west. He knows all. He proves all. So the purpose of God's promise, the purpose of God's promise for the people was to give them something that, you know what, they didn't even deserve. He was going to give them this land of milk and honey. He was going to give them a land that they had always desired. And he had promised Abraham that he would do so. But because of their disobedience for so many years, they weren't ready for this promise. They weren't ready for it to come true. But we see the Israelite people, we see them change. We see them become obedient. We see them start to do things they normally wouldn't do, obeying God's law and His commandments. So what's our purpose? 
What's, what's our purpose? What's God's purpose for us? What's God's promise? What's, our, what's God's promise for you today? Again, there's a difference between blessings and promises. Blessings is the house that he, he provides me, is the vehicle that I drive, is the family that I get to go home to. All these are blessings, but God never promised any of them. So what's God's promise in your life? I think we have to examine that today. What are we promised? The second thing that we see is the persistence of God's promise. For 40 years, God blessed them with manna to keep them alive so they can make it to the promised land. No, no matter how disobedient they become, God still provided. No matter how much they, they complained and groaned, God still, he still provided. He provided exactly what they needed. It wasn't what they wanted, because let's be honest, the Bible doesn't give a real good description that this is a delicacy. But it was exactly what they needed. They needed it to, to survive, and God provided that. God never broke his promise. He delivered them from Egypt. That was a blessing. He didn't have to do that. He parted the Red Sea. That was a blessing. He didn't have to do that. He provided manna in the desert. You know what? That was a blessing. Because God did not have to provide. But he did. He did all this for one purpose and one intent to fulfill his promise. You see, if you think about it like this, blessings, blessings are us looking at something right at our nose, right at our face. But God's promise, sometimes we have to look at 40,000 feet. We have to look at the big picture, and we have to look at what he is doing in our lives and what his promise really is. The persistence of God's promise. What does that mean to be persistent? It means he's never going to give up. No matter how disobedient these people were, we're talking about 40 years. 40 years of disobedience, wandering in the desert with nothing, nowhere to go, nothing to do. But God never gave up, and he never stopped providing. He never stopped blessing them because he knew his promise was greater. He knew the pursuance of this had to be persistent. Thank God this morning for a persistent God who persistently seeks us, who persistently wants us, who persistently forgives us. Thank God for his patience. And thank God for his grace. Third thing this morning I want to look at is the power of God's promise so we see the purpose of God's promise, the persistence of God's promise. And finally, the power of God's promise. How powerful is God's promise? It supersedes everything. God's promise and purpose is greater than everything. Everything this world tries to throw against you, everything that you try to throw against yourself, God's purpose is greater. His, the power of his promise just saying that the power of God's promise means so much. His promise was that he would, he would deliver them to the land. He promised that he would. He never said it would be easy. He never said it would be uh, something they enjoyed. He never said he would give them 
all their, all their hopes and dreams. But he promised he would deliver them as he promised Abraham. He promised he would give them this land. Who has authority to give someone land? Who has authority to give someone life? It's not something you and I can give. It's not something the church can give. It's not something your neighbor can give. Only God has the power to fulfill this promise. See, through this deliverance, the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. We're talking about power here. When God delivered them, the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. Kingdoms fell. Kingdoms completely fell that had been established for, for generations and centuries. They completely fell. And then generations would come to see that kingdoms would be built. Kingdoms would be built greater than any that this world had, had ever seen before. Kingdoms that were no longer built on man, but they were built on God. The power of God's promise. Only the power of God's promise could take a young shepherd. Could take a young shepherd boy and make him a mighty king. To slay a giant. Only the power, promise of a God that we serve could do such things. Only God could take a little baby. Only God could take a little baby born of a virgin and save an entire humanity. Save the entire world with a baby in his mommy's arms. That's the power of this promise. It's time that we give that power up. So many of us look at our, our spiritual lives and, and it's kind of like we're trying to, trying to drive a car with no steering wheel. We don't know where we're going and we don't know how we're going to get there. But we have to have faith that God does. We have to have faith in this power of our almighty creator. The manna stopped but God's promise of Canaan, it never did. What do we do when the manna stops? What do we do when the blessings stop? What do you do when your house is gone? Or the car's, car's gone? Or even when your family's gone? All these things we call blessings, they have an end. They have an expiration date, as Pastor Tyler has preached on. All these blessings we thank God each and every day for, they, they have an ending. But the one thing that does not have an ending is God's promise. God's promise has no ending. So what do we do when the manna stops? When the blessings run their course? When the music stops? Or when the crowd leaves? When the church service is over? When youth is dismissed, when we walk out those doors and those blessings seem like they've just stopped and they're no longer coming, what do we do? Do we turn our back on God who has given us those blessings? Do we, do we shout at Him and yell at Him for taking these things that He never promised in the first place? We become so self-righteous that these blessings become ours. These are mine. I have a right to them. I have a rightful ownership to them. But you know what, church? We have no ownership. Again, God never promised. God never promised you were going to have three kids and a white picket fence and a big, beautiful brick house. 
He never promised that. Yet he has gave, he has gave that to us, to a lot of us. So who are we to scorn him when he takes it? When those blessings run out, we get so angry and we say, what's next, Lord? When we should be saying, what's next, Lord? What's this promise that you have? What's this thing that you're trying to fulfill? Where are you taking me? What are you going to do with me? I know you've took everything that I have, but what are you going to, what's your purpose? What's your plan? What's your promise? When the miracles have all been given out, and there's nothing left. Do we stop pursuing God's promise because the blessings have ended? I don't think so. God promised us a way. So we've talked a lot about these, these blessings, but let's talk about this promise. This promise that not only God promised the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, but this, this promise that he provides us today. He provides us a way to be with him for an eternity. And that promise comes through Jesus Christ. It's a pretty good promise. It's a promise that never ends. It's a promise that, that never fails. It's a promise that never wavers. God promises that he'll always be with us. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That even when the blessings stop, He's there. He's there with us because our purpose is higher. It's higher than we can even see. It's higher than we can comprehend. See, God blesses us with life. He blesses us with life. But He promises an eternity. He blesses us with the world that we live in, but He promises us a heaven with no sorrows. God blesses us with free will, but he promises accountability for our choices. God blesses us with his law, but he promises us it has been fulfilled. I'll say that again. God blesses us with his law, but he promises us that it has been fulfilled. Blessings come and go, but God's promise is forever. And his promise is that he loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That's a promise. The purpose of Christ. The purpose of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that? What's the purpose? What was God's purpose for Jesus? What was the whole point of this whole thing? And it boils down to this. To fulfill that promise. To fulfill that promise that he made to Abraham, that he made to all of humanity, that he will never leave us and never forsake us, that he will always be with us, and that he will make a way for us. The purpose of Jesus Christ is to fulfill that promise. That is Jesus' purpose. The persistence of Christ. Jesus never stops pursuing you. I know some of you here this morning might feel like he has. You might be going through some things, and maybe you've been through some things, that you feel a, a distance from Christ, that you feel a distance from God, and you think there's no way that he's still pursuing me. Look how bad I am. Look at the things I've done, God. Why would you consistently be coming after me? Why would you be pursuing me? 
But Jesus is always seeking us. He never stops pursuing us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You always pursue the chosen. You always pursue what is yours. If you lose, if you lose a treasure, you're going to hunt for it. You're going to hunt and you're going to, you're going to find it. Without limit, there's nothing that's going to stop you. God is the same way. He sent Jesus to be with us so that he can always pursue us. The Holy Spirit inside of us seeks us. Finally, the power of Christ. The power of Christ. It's life-changing. It breaks borders. It breaks boundaries. It makes no sense. But it doesn't have to. The power of Jesus Christ. The power of Jesus Christ can take a drug addict and turn him into a preacher. The power of Jesus Christ can take a homeless man and make him a minister of the gospel. The power of Jesus Christ can take a broken home and mend it again. The power of Jesus Christ can take a person who has been scorned by the church and allow them to come back home. That's the power of Jesus Christ. The power of Jesus Christ allows us to fail each and every day. Allows us to live in our own sin at times, yet deliver us from it. That's the power of Jesus. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. The power of Jesus Christ is the divinity of God. He is God in the flesh. He is one-third of the Trinity. And Jesus is still changing lives and he is still saving people today. So I ask you, I ask you this morning as we get ready to have invitation and we're going to go in prayer. I ask you to, to dig deep this morning. Dig deep and analyze those blessings and God's promise. Are you dwelling on the blessings or are you looking forward to the promise? That's something I think we all have to find inside of us today. Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask you, Lord, that God, that you speak this morning. And God, that you, you work in our lives, God, and that you, you change us forever, Lord. That even when the blessings stop, we know your promise is true. We know your son died for us upon that cross to bear the sins that we cannot bear, God, that we cannot take in front of a holy God, that he paid that price. And all we have to do, Lord, is just profess with our hearts and our mouths. We have to believe and have faith that Jesus is enough, that his power, his persistence, and his purpose was not by accident, but it was intentional. It wasn't a contingency plan, God, it was the plan. Lord, I just pray that you move this morning. Give courage and strength. In Jesus' name, amen.
y'all come with us this morning? If God has spoke to you in any way, y'all can stand with me at this time. If God has spoke to you in any way, please use this altar. Please use this altar. You can pray alone. You can pray with somebody. But I promise you, I promise you, God's promise is greater. It's greater than your own purpose. So make that choice this morning. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.